0: Welcome to the Scope 3 Agenda podcast with EcoVadis. My name is Fergal Barn. Over the coming months, I'll be interviewing senior business leaders actively working on supply chain decarbonisation, reducing Scope 3 emissions in a variety of different industries. We discuss companies' decarbonisation journeys, the challenges, their experience and strategies, explore what is working, and identify key lessons and insights. I am very pleased today to welcome Julia Salon to the Scope 3 Agenda podcast with EcoVadis. Julia is General Manager Carbon Solution at EcoVadis, and her work is focused on helping businesses create value through sustainability and maximize their impact, with a particular emphasis on supply chain decarbonization. Thank you very much, Julia, for joining me today on the Scope 3 Agenda podcast with EcoVadis.
1: Thank you for having me, Fergal. It's an absolute pleasure to join you today.
0: So maybe just to begin with, Julia, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your role, the work that you do at EcoVadis?
1: Absolutely. Um, I've been a uh, uh, I've been in the sustainability and climate space for the last fifteen years. I recall like it was yesterday as part of my graduate degree reading. Uh, the IPCC report on the state of carbon emissions back then in 2007 and being absolutely shocked by the fact that no one was doing anything about it. Well, you know, fast forward 15 years and uh, IPCC is in the uh, public eye. We know that climate science is... uh, quite obvious at this point and it's and i'm really excited to be on the forefront of addressing the issue of climate change through business my responsibility within the ecovates team is to uh, develop and implement solutions that can support our customers' supply chain decarbonization journeys. Our objective at Ecovadis is to help uh, engage all companies uh, in sustainability journey and help guide them towards a more sustainable future. And today, my particular focus is on uh, helping do that through the lens of carbon emissions management, building maturity, and really performance improvement over time. Um, today, I manage the Ecovadis Carbon Solution, which is one of the latest additions to the Ecovadis product suite. We've launched just uh, over two years ago with now over 200 uh, major global uh, brands using our solution to engage their suppliers in climate action. Uh, over the course of the last two years, we've uh, we've published within our network over forty five thousand carbon scorecards. The insights on our uh, findings will be um, will be published actually next month in our second annual uh, carbon maturity report. So. Uh, I will highly recommend that as a reading uh, to be published in uh, September. And with that uh, with that network, we are continuously improving and enhancing the capabilities of uh, our platform to support companies in all stages of their decarbonization journey. A big surprise probably for uh, a lot of our customers is that the majority of businesses out there are not on the journey yet. So we're helping them to take their first steps in setting their emissions baseline, starting to report their emissions, starting to commit uh, to targets and work towards these targets.
0: Such important work. Now, I'm looking forward to talking to you about the Ecovadis Carbon Solution, the Carbon Action Module, and exploring some of its key features. But just before we begin, maybe I wonder whether you could set the scene a little bit and why in your mind Scope 3 emissions matter? What's at stake here, Julia?
1: You know, Scope 3 emissions is a, uh, one of the most complex business challenges that uh, companies are facing today. We all know that businesses have an extremely important role to play in decarbonizing our economies because if we want to limit global warming at uh, 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, we need to make sure that businesses are decreasing uh, their emissions. The challenge is that a vast majority of, uh, of companies' emissions are outside of their direct control. They're usually in their value chains, in their supply chains. So this is why scope 3 emissions become extremely important and extremely challenging. They are the vast majority of corporate emissions, but they are the ones with the least influence and the least uh, control over. This is why I've been hearing from uh, boards, from uh, CEOs of major Fortune 500 companies that have never talked about sustainability. I, he- I keep on hearing that Scope 3 emissions are our um, top priority because we know that we need to decrease them. We know that it will take longer than we expect, and we know that it's a journey that we need to take together with our suppliers, together with our customers, and together with our competitors to really bring uh, build this momentum within the industry to drive decarbonization.
0: Something that's maybe often neglected when we talk about scope three, when we focus on the regulatory push to reduce scope three emissions. But there are also considerable benefits for the companies themselves by reducing the scope three emissions.
1: Of course, there are two aspects to reducing scope three emissions. One is setting up internal processes and engagement with suppliers and uh, customers in a way that can create this really uh, Virtuous cycle of improving performance and increasing efficiency. We're seeing examples of we're seeing examples of companies engaging with their most emitting suppliers, most uh, the hotspots of carbon emission within their supplier base, and we're coming up with quite creative ways to improve products that they're sourcing and decrease emissions. So there is an, uh, of course, an opportunity to really improve efficiency, but also to cascade this improvement across the value chain. But there is another aspect to it, and it's not only about efficiency, but it's about transparency and building trust with customers, investors, and other stakeholders. We know that there is a lot of new regulations that are coming into place, particularly in Europe, that are going to require companies to report transparently and granularly on uh, their full carbon footprint, which includes scope one, scope two, and scope three. We know that in Europe we have even a a regulation that is going to come into effect in the coming months, which will require companies to start reporting on Product carbon footprint from goods uh, and uh, from goods that they're importing from outside of Europe. So there is an extreme focus on transparency and reporting practices. And usually as things evolve within the regulatory context, we see that these types of regulations only go in one direction. Once the baseline is established, the focus is on reductions, there are carrots and there are sticks involved uh, with it. So the, the companies that start their reporting journey and their transparency journeys earlier on will definitely be an advantage.
0: So in this podcast, we've spoken to sustainability leaders that have made a tremendous commitment to managing their scope three emissions, but clearly it's a complex challenge. And as you said, many companies have not started on that journey at all yet. So what are the first steps for companies that are at the beginning of their decarbonization journey? Companies who know they need to move in this direction, but not sure where to begin?
1: Um, absolutely. So there are a few things that uh, a lot of companies uh, do when they're just getting started on their journey. And uh, one of the uh, most uh, interesting truths in corporate management is you cannot manage what you cannot measure. So the starting point for a lot of the decarbonization journeys of our customers and of leaders in the field is starting with the measurement of own emissions, identifying what your baseline is on scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions. And once scope three emissions are estimated by companies. And this is an undertaking that for some companies can take a few months and others can take up to a year, because there are a lot of inputs that are needed to start the first measurement. Um, to start the first measurement uh, project, but once you have a sense of where your scope three emissions are, you can start uh, adopt a uh, targeted strategy that can address and meet your scope three hotspots where they are. Based on the recent uh, McKinsey uh, research as well as CDP research, the vast majority of uh, Scope 3 emissions are attributed to Scope 3 upstream category, which includes suppliers. This is where there is the most uh, influence and the most opportunity. So for those companies that are already identified, okay, my hotspots are, uh, this is my Scope 3, these are my hotspots, then... There is an uh, there is an opportunity to start making progress, and there is a lot of back planning that is happening within the organizations when um, when targets are set, when uh, some trajectories are estimated. But for the mo- for the simplest, in the simplest terms, what we see as really successful strategies is starting small. If you don't have the resources. If you don't have the right uh, team set up, it's absolutely okay to start small. Prioritize a core group of highest impact suppliers and engage with them directly. We see this working from companies who are leaders in their field, like you know Unilever and Procter and Gamble, and those who are just getting started on their journey. We see that identifying these hotspots and prioritizing with a core group can be really effective. To to uh, engage directly, understand maturity uh, of these suppliers, and from there, really to calibrate the ask. This really ties into the maturity aspect. One of the most interesting learnings that we've uncovered with our customers over the course of the last few years is the fact that you you cannot run before you crawl. Companies that are starting on the journey, if you ask them to do too much, too fast, it uh, it is very likely that they will disengage. We're not setting them up for success. As a result, a targeted strategy calibrated based on supplier maturity can be successful in start a, kicking off the decarbonization journey for the bigger group of your suppliers, and taking them step by step through this process year over year. We know that decarbonization is a journey. We know it's not a one-time exercise, you know, give me your data and uh, we're done with it. It's about long-term collaboration, building trust, and continuing uh, performance improvement year over year over year.
0: In an earlier interview of the Scope 3 Agenda with Peter Spiller from McKinsey, Peter made the point that even if a company doesn't initially have good data, that if initially figures aren't very precise, it's important to start to start wherever you are. And that one step leads to another, as it were.
1: That's absolutely the case. And we're seeing this through, uh, through a few lenses. When we first uh, launched the carbon action module uh, just over two years ago, uh, a vast majority of uh, companies that we've rated were not on the journey at all. With time, yeah, see 30% of our network have improved at least one level on their maturity, which means that knowing where you are even if it's a, a humble starting point, helps you identify what are the next steps. We help to give uh, that, uh, these highlights. And then companies have an incentive through a buyer-supplier relationship to improve performance. In addition to that, we know that a lot of our customers are particularly interested in getting product carbon footprint data from their suppliers. This is a very important uh, element of measuring and making the measurement of own scope three emissions uh, more accurate. But how are you going to get uh, product carbon footprint data from a supplier that hasn't measured their scope one, two, and three emissions first? It's again, a level of maturity that is reached only after certain steps are taken within the organization certain priorities are set within the organization a lot of data collection processes are established internally to turn the activity data into carbon footprint data so the starting point is always do something if you can't run you should walk if you can't walk you should crawl but whatever you do you should be moving forward on this journey.
0: Great advice, Julia. Now, I'd like to talk more about carbon maturity based on EcoVadis data. Can you give an overview, a breakdown of where companies are on their decarbonization journeys, their carbon maturity, and maybe identify some broad features of companies at different levels of maturity?
1: Absolutely. Um, In our second carbon maturity report that we're going to release in September, You'll see a data set of you know close to fifteen thousand suppliers that we've looked at over the course of the last uh, over the course of the last um, year or so, and within this data set, what we are seeing is that close to fifty percent of companies are yet to start their decarbonization journey. This means that they are. Uh, they haven't measured their footprint, or maybe they have, but they haven't reported it yet. They haven't set targets, so they need to take the first steps. This is the this is the most common, uh, you know, low maturity, getting started type of uh, type of uh, supplier that you'll see in a uh, in a diverse uh, supply chain of uh, of an organization that is trying to uh, decarbonize their supply chain. So, the low maturity group is the one that is just getting started on the journey. and then we have uh companies in the middle, usually around thirty percent of uh, of our network. and these are companies that have measured their carbon footprint for the first time, may have set some targets but just getting started on this. So it means that they've reported their targets, they've reported their carbon footprint, and now they really need to drive their strategy uh, and implementation within their own organizations. And then you have the leaders. This is usually under 10% of the the network. These are the companies that have already committed to science-based targets that have been reporting on their carbon footprint for a few years, And have sometimes even shown progress towards their targets which means that they've already implemented a uh, management system that includes some decarbonization levers that are best practices within their field these are the three kind of levels of maturity that we see our customers dealing with within their supplier base and for each one of them there is a different different uh, engagement strategy
0: how interesting such an important issue that's so often overlooked, Julia. In your experience, how much do companies generally know about their supplier's level of carbon maturity? How good are they at assessing their carbon maturity?
1: So assessing a supplier maturity requires inputs from your supplier, whether you're gonna do that on your own engaging directly with a supplier or through a service provider uh, or through a solution like ours there is a uh, there is quite a heavy lift on collecting the data collecting inputs from suppliers to better understand their maturity the way we've structured uh, the way that we've structured our uh, approach to gauging supplier maturity is we're looking at a um, at a standard management system approach. We're looking at the elements of the management system that include target setting, actions that are taken to move towards these targets, and reporting practices to create this continuous improvement journey and a management system approach that can be replicated year over year and create transparency and accountability within the organization to achieve certain KPIs that are being set Year over year over year, this is how we look at maturity. We're getting inputs from suppliers through uh, questionnaires that are simplified yet um, yet scalable in terms of deployment. So we can get a view, a holistic view of a large set of suppliers and how they're performing uh, in terms of their uh, carbon management systems. Anecdotally, I do this exercise with some of our customers when uh, uh, in the beginning of their journey with us, where um, we're guesstimating what percentage of their suppliers are just getting started on this journey, and the response usually is uh, uh, vastly underestimated. So what we see uh, anecdotally is that um, companies think that their suppliers are way for. Farther along in their decarbonization journey that they actually are, and this is something that is uh, that is quite uh, expected to happen. But I think with more insights and more data that we publish out there, and more progress that we make towards building this maturity, I think this uh, this can really help with the, uh, you know, uh, raising awareness of the challenges that suppliers are facing when they start their decarbonization journey and the role and the impact of a supplier by a relationship in helping suppliers to get on this journey and continue on it.
0: Yeah, Yeah, this early stage is so important. Now, in previous interviews, we've seen that many companies are overloaded with requests for different kinds of sustainability information. And I'm just wondering when it comes to carbon data, the carbon ask, do you think we see the same phenomenon I mean, is there a risk of what you might call engagement fatigue?
1: There absolutely is, like with everything else in, um, in the, the space of buyer-supplier relationship. Um, what matters actually um, in this context is the value that suppliers get from the engagement. And this is something that we've been prioritizing uh, for quite some time with EnicoVadis. So the idea is, um, you know, when engagement was one-to-one, you know, think Mm -hmm. about 10 years back, 15 years back, when a buyer would send a custom questionnaire to supplier, to every supplier that they have. And then every buyer from every other organization would send more questionnaires. That was a terrible state. Now today, not to say that this is not happening, but it's happening less and less due to the fact that these types of uh, information requests can be uh, automated and scaled. One of the, the benefits that suppliers uh, particularly appreciate within the Covadis network is the one-to-many sharing ability. Suppliers own their carbon data and their sustainability data. When they respond to the EcoVatis questionnaire, they have the ability to share their scorecards and their data with buyers upon request, which means that one response to a questionnaire in a year will allow our suppliers to share their sustainability, their carbon uh, scorecard, as well as their carbon and other sustainability quantitative data with as many uh, buyers in our network, which really creates the value for uh, the rated company to respond uh, within the network where a lot of buyers are participating as well. So that's one thing. And another thing around value is what do you do with this data? What do you do with the responses? And this is something that, uh, that I think the market is uh, starting to mature a little bit on. You know, I get a lot uh, of uh, feedback from suppliers that are asking me, okay, so I've responded to this questionnaire. I provided this quantitative data on my scope 1, 2, 3 emissions to my buyer. Now what? What are they going to do with it? And this is something that we're also supporting our uh, requesting customer base, our uh, buyer organizations with. What our customers want to do, ultimately, is to embed their sustainability and carbon in- intelligence into where their business decisions are made. As a result, using Ecovadis output within their own systems, within their own supplier scorecards that focus on, Quality on time, delivery, and price. This is really important because this makes sustainability and carbon data really business actionable. And this is where another element of you know closing the loop and not just asking questions, getting answers, and forgetting about it is really important. This is where uh, technology plays a, an important role to solidify and reinforce this
0: relationship. And at the same time, for many companies with hundreds and some with thousands of different suppliers engaging with their suppliers, getting good carbon data can be very time consuming and messy process. This is something companies really need to be able to do at scale.
1: Indeed, I think scale is the name of the game because ultimately uh, one company's uh, scope three is another company's scope one and two emissions. So there is an interconnectedness between the different tiers of the supply chain. There's an interconnectedness between the, uh, the different customers that we have. So um, if we consolidate the ask and we expand and cascade a similar type of Ask what the uh, with the strong foundation of technology, we can actually reach uh, a much we can reach much better result, much more efficient engagement, and actually have a much stronger ROI on you know on engagement. Which at the end of the day, this is what a lot of corporates are looking for today, because they know that their suppliers are gonna play an important role in uh, in their decarbonization strategy. They know that their own science-based targets, achieving them will require their suppliers to achieve tremendous performance improvement, which means that we need to work together, and working together with hundreds if not thousands of suppliers is really not manageable in one-to-one basis. So this is where the question of scale really comes into play.
0: Fascinating. And this takes us really onto the topic of the Ecovadis carbon solution, the carbon action module. Firstly, just to set the scene a little bit where it fits into the Ecovadis service offering. And maybe if you can outline then some of the ways the carbon action module helps companies achieve their decarbonization goals.
1: Of course, today we offer um, the carbon action module to our our network as part of our sustainability uh, ratings offering. What this means is that on the rated company side, on the supplier side, our suppliers go through one assessment and as an output of that assessment, they receive two scorecards, a sustainability scorecard and their carbon scorecard, which gives, which gives a different view of their performance of their management system. Um, on the on our, this what has allowed us to gain scale in the to gain scale and quick acceleration of the module. Today we are at at forty five thousand carbon scorecards within our network which create a really strong foundation for engagement with suppliers, specifically on carbon maturity. We get through these scorecards, our customers can tell very quickly which suppliers fall into which maturity bucket. Those who are just getting started, the ask is quite simple usually. Can you please measure and report your carbon footprint? This is the getting started point uh, for a lot of our customers. Those who are more advanced, uh, the ask is uh, more advanced accordingly. On the requesting company side, uh, our uh, our customers are uh, very often using their sustainability and their carbon. Um, um, our customers using sustainability and carbon offering together because. Very often, supp- very often, but not always, suppliers that are considered high risk for our customers from a sustainability perspective will also be high risk from carbon perspective. Will represent a significant hotspot. This is often the case, but not always. For some of our customers, um, they engage a dedicated and very specific group of suppliers on carbon we help our customers identify this group of suppliers through the carbon heat map uh, feature that we've recently launched that really helps to do a low touch high volume uh, carbon hotspot mapping within supplier base and that really helps guide the engagement um, our customers find a lot of value in being able to combine and the flexibility that we provide in terms of, you know, combining the sustainability and uh, climate action programs that they're running. Um, so this has been quite successful, and over time, we're really evolving our offering to respond to more uh, advanced and more uh, and more uh, more advanced customer needs. For example, allowing some more flexibility and engaging very small, uh, smaller groups of suppliers in carbon only. There is quite a lot of uh, work that is going on about that, which uh, I'll be happy to tell you more about in early 2024 if you invite me again to one of your podcasts.
0: For sure, Julia. Now, carbon scorecards are at the heart of the carbon action module. What are carbon scorecards and how do they help companies in understanding and managing their carbon emissions across their supplier base?
1: Um, sure. So carbon scorecards are built in, uh, in a way that organizes the insights that our customers get from it uh, in three main um, categories. First, it gives visibility on the targets that has been set by the supplier. Whether or not there are targets already available on scope one, two, three, whether there are some science-based target sets, uh, and what are the uh, what are the details of these targets, then it gives a view of the actions that companies take to meet these targets, to reach these targets. So, for example, it gives a view of the. Uh, of the uh, efficiency measures that are taken by the supplier, renewable energy, as well as uh, some other ways in which the company addresses um, and decarbonizes its operations. And then finally, um, it gives a view of the reporting practices and monitoring of carbon emissions practices, which will give a view of whether or not there is public reporting of carbon data, whether, whether there is a third-party verification of data, whether there is an alignment with the GHG protocol, etc. So it gives a, com- a comprehensive view of what companies um, of what companies do to manage their GHG emissions. In addition to that, we're collecting quantitative data on scope one, scope two, scope three emissions and the specific details of the target. We bring all of these insights into a a, a business intelligence dashboard that helps our customers monitor and report on, the progress of their entire supplier portfolio in terms of maturity, in terms of quantitative reporting, in terms of target setting and trajectories of these targets. This is um, this is one of the most uh, impactful and uh, powerful features that we deliver is really strong intelligence focus of bringing all the data that we collect across the supplier base into one interface that is uh, quite useful for our uh, program managers to define strategy for next year to adjust engagement and to ask for next steps
0: for many companies of course knowing where to focus the supply chain decarbonization efforts is a real challenge can you tell us about the carbon heat map how does it help companies
1: absolutely Carbon heat map is one of the latest additions to our carbon action module uh, offering and the, uh, the pain point that it has been designed to address is for our customers that do not know which suppliers they want to prioritize for their carbon engagement, but they know that their suppliers will play an important role in their decarbonization strategy. This is a simple starting point to get from. Um, I have a supplier list of 1,000 to now I understand their uh, their um, carbon-related risk and I'm going to engage with the highest risk suppliers. The way that it works is we've built uh, an internal database of uh, industry activities and geographic locations and carbon intensities of these types of activities in these types of locations. As you know, we have quite a global coverage of activities within EcoVaris. We cover uh, over 160 countries with close to 200 economic activities. So it's quite a robust database of uh, activities and uh, intensities of carbon uh, emissions. So with that, plus our internal database of actual carbon emissions of over 18,000 companies that have reported uh, to Ecovadis, we're actually able to Quite, uh, we're able to automate the uh, carbon hotspot mapping for our customers. So we're doing that to accelerate their journey, to kickstart their engagement uh, and prioritization process. And, with the, and that is connected to our uh, ratings platform. So our customers can go from having a large supplier list to identify their hotspots and engaging these suppliers that are representing the hotspots in a matter of days, which really uh, is an important factor here when we're talking about uh, when we're living in a world where we're very close to missing the window of opportunities of curbing emissions uh, and curbing the global temperatures at 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, means that we really do not have the time to wait and uh, to wait we need to act and this allows it to kickstart the action within the supplier decarbonization program
0: very interesting indeed now many companies will veer towards working with suppliers they have a good relationship with suppliers that they know better that they feel they can influence is -hmm. this a good approach
1: this is a really good question uh fergal and i think our customers are at a point where they are beyond uh, picking and choosing engagement. The, uh, the important element that I think is connected to knowing your suppliers is actually uh, corresponds to the volume of spend that's coming, um, that is associated with each supplier. And actually that's in a, a criteria that we take into account to customize the output from the carbon heat map so it is very often the case when a company has significant spent with a supplier and due to the fact that there is a significant spent involved they know more about the supplier versus the supplier that the spent is less significant we're able to Give this level of customization in quite an automated uh, in quite an automated way when we present back the results of the carbon heat map. So we're actually weighing the criticality of spend as one of the uh, as one of the indicators that uh, that is weighted in the output.
0: That's very useful. Now, there's a broad array of different sustainability metrics and different carbon metrics. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how companies should approach setting scope three targets? It's a big question, I know, but maybe if you have a few thoughts, some guidance.
1: Well, it is a very complex question that I will not have a simple uh, answer to. But uh, what I would have is um, a... uh, an observation of what's happening in the market today. Today, we know it's it's actually quite established already that science-based target initiative is the uh, global standard on how companies should, should be setting their uh, scope one, two, and three targets in line with climate science. Um, the initiative has been around for the last uh, eight years, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and it's gaining momentum. We know that over 2,000 companies have already set a science-based, target, uh, science-based targets and are starting to report progress on it. The progress on this is relatively slow. And the process of setting targets is quite comprehensive. For some companies, it's uh, actually quite complex. Ecovirus has recently completed, um, we just recently completed our own science-based target. uh, We've set our own science-based targets. It's been uh, quite an undertaking and through the process, we've learned a lot about our operations, about the opportunities that we have, and about the uh, potential challenges we will be facing in the future. What is important to note here is that it's actually a very important learning exercise, a discovery exercise within every organization that will vary significantly based on the context in which each uh, organization operates. For uh, heavy manufacturing companies, the process will look one way. For software company, it will look completely differently. And this level of uh, differentiation among industries and particularly also sizes of companies is really uh, important to be taken into account. Today, it's not an exercise that can be taken lightly. Setting a scope three targets is um, is not a, a walk in the park, as they say. But what's important within setting scope three targets is to make sure that a they're aligned with science, b they're linked to uh, some level of engagement of your suppliers within uh, within the targets that you set. Because ultimately, it's not only about um, it's not only about reducing emissions, but also making sure that you're cascading this framework of setting science-based targets towards supplier-based. We're seeing more and more companies that come to us, They're come to us because they've set science-based targets, because they've set supplier engagement targets, and we're actually helping them cascade this ask within their supplier
0: base. That's great advice, Julia. Now, can we talk about engagement with suppliers? Earlier you touched on the importance for companies tailoring their engagement strategy according to suppliers different levels of carbon maturity. Can we talk about this and more broadly how companies can over time help build supplier capabilities through education, collaboration and so forth using the carbon action module?
1: Absolutely. There are three main things that our customers ultimately want to uh, have their suppliers do. First and foremost, they want their suppliers to set a baseline of their emissions. Two is they want their suppliers to set targets, preferably aligned with science, science-based targets. And third, our uh, customers are asking their suppliers to start sourcing renewable energy. These are the three things that are particularly important in a supply chain decarbonization strategy. The extent to which uh, these three elements are asked of a supplier or only the first one or the second one really depends on the maturity of the supplier and on the uh, potential uh, relevancy of the supplier to a uh, to a buyer's uh, decarbonization strategy. I'll give you an example. So um, let's say a company uh, company has a set of a dozen suppliers that are considered high risk uh, from carbon perspective, high volume in terms of spend. Uh, So these are really high priority suppliers that need to decarbonize. Half of them, are not on the journey yet and half are uh, starting to get there, are uh, are well on the way. For those who are not on the journey, our customers will ask them via our corrective action plans that can be automated within our network to report on uh, their scope, uh, to measure and report their baseline, their scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions, and maybe start considering setting targets in the, after they've set their baseline. This can be done through uh, the corrective action plan feature in our platform. And those suppliers that are more advanced, our uh, customers can ask them again through corrective action plans to source renewable energy or set science-based targets and set particular timelines for this. So this can really indicate the what of uh, the next steps for the the supplier decarbonization journey that can be signaled from the buyer. uh, In addition to that, what we can support with is actually building awareness and building the foundation for the how. We've recently launched our EcoVadis Academy, which includes uh, hundreds of courses on sustainability, tailored to um, tailored to companies that are just getting started on their sustainability journey and even those companies and more advanced courses that are well on the way. So specifically on carbon, we have uh, specific courses that we've launched on how to measure carbon emissions, how to set a baseline, how to engage your organization uh, in this process. How to start setting targets and the the latest um, and there are going to be a number of uh, additional courses that we're going to be launching in the coming uh, three to six months. The idea is that it's not only about the what, but it's also about the how that we're helping the suppliers to get started on the journey. Now the implementation goes beyond Ecovaris. But this is a, a foundation on which we can really um, get started and kick off the uh, decarbonization journey for suppliers.
0: That sounds like a very powerful set of tools, Julia. I wish you the very best with this ongoing work, Julia, and I'd like to thank you so much for your time today and sharing the great work you're doing and helping companies reduce their Scope 3 emissions.
1: Thank you, Fergo. It's been my absolute pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to the Scope 3 Agenda podcast with EcoVadis. We hope you found it interesting and would love if you could share with your colleagues and leave a review. If you'd like to find out more about EcoVadis, please visit ecovadis.com.